If you've been told to pull up your socks, then make sure it's a pair of TNT socks. The TNT shop is now open at TNTradio.live. The voice of a changing world. Chris Smith on today's News Talk Radio TNT. I just think Leanne Elliott's stand on transgender women and the fact that they are biologically biological men is what we should be applauding, is what makes common sense, is what everyone understands unless you are woke and overcome with political correctness. Good on her. Go hard, girl. We'll be keeping in contact with her, especially in reference to this tribunal hearing. You could just imagine a whole heap of lefties, a whole heap of wokists sitting on that tribunal going, tut, tut, tut. If a man thinks that he's a woman and wants to be considered a woman, he should be regarded as a woman. You could just see it happening. This is not sure that she's going to win that tribunal hearing. It's just gross. And Jason, who lives in Hobart, one of our listeners, has sent me an email and said the Lord Mayor of Hobart, who took offence to uh, Leanne being against the move by the Tasmanian University to the Hobart CBD uh, and was also against Leanne's stance on transgender women. Uh, she is a greenie, writes Jason, against everything down here. Don't forget she was a resident of Cairns and protesting against the building of the Sky Rail in Cairns. That's like protesting against Santa Claus if you're a Cairns local. She's been protesting it against Sky Rail in Cairns. What a dope. Um, huge tourist attraction in Cairns, the Sky Rail, says Jason. Um, you're exactly right. I'm glad you mentioned that. And uh, he wanted to have something to say about Anastasia Palaszczuk, the Queensland Premier, who pulled the plug on Sunday. Don't forget, Chris, that Anastasia gave herself that job of running the Olympics. Laugh out loud, nose in the trough much. Look, to be fair to Anastasia Palaszczuk, she won three elections. She is a supreme state politician. No doubt about that. And deserves great credit for getting the Labor Party over the line when they haven't won. What, what is it? They haven't won the City of Brisbane Council election for 20 years. So she's done fairly well. And most of the premiers are on the committee that runs Olympic Games. It's an obvious thing. But she's now on it without being the Premier. Maybe she knew that would be the case. I don't know. Now, out of Washington, Republicans and Democrats have backed the Biden administration's proposed AUKUS Pact legislation for the sale of three nuclear submarines and related technology to Australia. This is a major step forward for AUKUS. Manufacturers Blue Scope and Bis Alloy have been approved to test steel that could be used in Australian built AUKUS submarines. At the same time, nuclear proponents have urged the country to seize nuclear science opportunities to meet challenges on the horizon. A national nuclear science roundtable recently determined that Australia's nuclear Science sector needs a national strategy that leads to new knowledge and infrastructure and equips Australians for jobs in this expanding sector. We are so far behind in terms of that knowledge and expertise. Um, there was a statement uh, made by Emeritus Professor Lawrence Cram, who led the roundtable, 
And he said there is also a critical need for informed debate and respectful deliberation to inform decision-making and improve public understanding of nuclear science and the benefits it can bring to Australia. Um, so there you have it. That's a major step forward. When you've got both um, Washington on board, and that is the Republicans and the Democrats on board for AUKUS, it looks as if AUKUS is uh, fully fledged and about to take off. Now, we're talking about you know, another 20 years, about 19, 22 years possibly, but it is a step in the right direction. This is TNT Radio. Giving you what you want. I want the fact. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Well, I've got the former popular Australian commercial radio host on News Talk stations 2UE and 2GB and to stations nationally on the line right now, our most politically incorrect correspondent of the week, I think, Jim Ball. Welcome back to TNT Radio. Yeah, <laughs> incorrect indeed. Uh, how you going, Chris? Good? I'm do- doing very well, mate. Thank you. Yeah. Um, stacks to talk about today, so we'll get through yeah, them as quickly as we I, can. I looked at the list and I thought, good grief. Um, <laughs> we're going for an hour or so, are we? Yeah, something like that. But the yeah. Albanese government's migration strategy was released this morning. Yeah. It includes a 50% cut to the net long-term and permanent movement of people into and out of Australia. The permanent migration and humanitarian programs remain largely unchanged. But more will be done to link with state and territory governments to deal with infrastructure as a result of migration numbers. I've heard that thousands of times before. They never do it. The inflexible occupation list will be ditched and replaced by a new specialist skills pathway at a threshold of $135,000. Now, this will make it easier for bosses to bring in the highly skilled talent needed to help develop local industry and train them up. It's a major change to the old ad hoc system we had where I thought that Treasurers often read the uh, often ran the immigration program to try and simply get more revenue to make the budget look good. Yeah, uh, look, I'm to be honest, I'm not sure. Even today, I'm not sure who runs. They can come up with their policies and make their grand plans, make their announcements. But in about I don't know a week <laughs> tomorrow, we'll have forgotten, and we'll forgot. We'll think now, what did they say they were going to do? We we won't. We won't have it. Won't be relevant. I mean, it'll be relevant, but to the average person going about their day, it'll mean nothing. I think it's good that they're cracking down on the loopholes. I, I thought I was back at Luna Park yesterday. They started talking about ghost houses, yeah. <laughs> um, but they were talking about ghost houses. Now they're talking about fake college degrees or fake colleges. What else? What was else on the list? And all of that, just on that point about fake colleges and dodgy degrees, you might say. We, rem- I remember back in the Howard years, probably the Keating years as well, even the Hawke years, they, they spoke about education as being an export industry, mm. right? We, a lot of international students come here and we uh, educate them and they go back and we develop a reputation as being a high-quality educational industry. What this does, these dodgy degrees and fake colleges and so on, that dilutes and pollutes uh, our our reputation. It makes us it makes us look dodgy. Mm. And when you think about it, it's all for money. <laughs> that's what it comes down to. Mm. But um, so that's just on the educational side of things. But just on the the other aspect there, I noticed Claire Armstrong today 
Uh, she said, with housing demand beyond ridiculous, rental availability almost non-existent, roads choked to a standstill, schools and childcare running out of spaces, the idea of historically high numbers of people entering the country will undoubtedly stir up a lot of community emotion. She goes on to say, and this is the point, this associated link between migration and services is fraught for a federal government, given that states control most of the infrastructure. Yeah. But voters don't care. I mean, vote, here here they are making an announcement, but in in reality, they don't actually control the outcome. It's the states, mm-hmm. and as she points out, voters really don't care about whose responsibility it is. Uh, they just want it fixed. They want the states talking to the feds and talking to each other. Yeah, there was a what was the uh, portfolio that the previous government created? It was uh, was it population or something similar like that. So that was an intention to try and work through the difficulties of providing infrastructure for what would be an increased population in Australia. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, I don't know whether it worked or not because I don't think it lasted a full term of well, government look, uh, and we don't have it now. So I don't know. They keep saying that you can make that happen, but mostly you've got, un- un- unless you've got a situation like we have now, mostly you've got a situation where there are different governments in the states and territories. Yeah. And they're not going to deal too well with uh, a federal government of a different nature and a different party. Look, um, migration, uh, whichever party's in power, that's got to be a, a rate and a capacity that is sustainable to use. Yeah. The, the, that's the buzzword these days, sustainable. Yeah. Yeah. And that can be absorbed both culturally and economically. Mm. So it's got to be sustainable yeah. and it's got to be at a rate and capacity that we can absorb in terms of the economy. That means jobs and culturally. And we're seeing, you know, like what's going on at the moment with the Israel business and all the demos in the streets. Maybe we'll get to that later with the actors and the arty community. Mm. But um, yeah, there's a lot to be done there in cultural. And uh, and so this comes back to numbers. Uh, if you're overwhelmed, it just out, gets out of control. Yeah, but but we, but because the headline says that the government is cutting migration by half, and that seems to be a couple of the headlines, that's got to be a good thing for the Albanese government at a time when they need some positives. Yeah, we, you would think so. I mean, what yeah. is it, 500,000 in the last 12 months? Yeah. Net, net. Yeah. So you take whatever's left Australia, what's coming to Australia, and the difference is your 500,000 thousand or whatever it was 500 or something yeah. it's a it's a huge number yeah. and okay that's i mean <laughs> mind you here we are talking about five hundred thousand uh in a, a country the size of australia but america is it's like eight million in two years yeah the eight numbers million are, in two years yeah like, this is they the don't have borders border. and that's <laughs> the other thing too i'm always a little bit suspicious when i hear the left being sensible about migration because I remember when we had the boats and all of that, they tend to want more numbers coming in. I guess they see them as uh, on on uh, welfare. Therefore, yep. they are constituents of Labor. Yep. Yep. So I'm always yep. a little bit, I mean, yep. I don't want to put it down. It's a good idea going in the right direction. But there's just the, the cynic in me that <laughs> says, buyer beware. Yeah, I think you might be right. Now, the last draconian Premier, Queensland's Anastasia Palaszczuk, has been slayed by the unions and has decided to resign to express some kind of renewal in the Labor Party in Queensland. Here she was in part yesterday. Finally, last week, my mind was made up at National Cabinet. I was sitting there thinking this is the fourth Prime Minister. There are all these new faces around the Cabinet table. We got a great deal for Queensland, $4 billion. 
And I thought to myself, renewal is a good thing. When I led this party from an opposition of just seven members, I said that the first election would be like climbing Mount Everest. I went on to climb that mountain twice more. I don't need to do it again. I have given it my all and I've run a marathon. Standing here today with these flags alongside and standing up for the people of Queensland has been an honour of my life. I don't believe anyone who comes after me will know how humbling it is. travel this state and beat so many amazing people. She didn't want to go, Jim. No, and I can I can understand that. I mean, it's it's Queensland. It's the top job in the state. And uh, look, the good thing about her going, Chris, is that I'll nef never have to sit in front of my laptop again and ask myself, how do I spell that name? <laughs> it gets me every... So written, I tell you what I've written here, Palaszczuk, P-A-L-A-S-H-A-Y. That's what I use all the time, phonetic, see? It's just, it blows my head away every time. But um, look, um, it was uh, was it Abraham Lincoln in 1863. He spoke about um, uh, the government of the people, by the people, for the people, or some variation of that. But now it's government of the people, by the unions for the unions. Yes. That's, that's a twist on But really, that really is what it comes down. They're telling yeah. her, they're putting the weights on, saying, hey, lady, uh, election in October, I think it is next year, four-year terms and all of that. Um, you've done a great job, which I suppose she has. I'm not a Queenslander. Yeah. Yeah. Although over COVID, she was brutal. Ooh. And um, the interesting thing, too, when you look at uh, the last 12 months, uh, I'm just looking here, you've got or had Mark McGowan, now, he was an untouchable Labor rock star. Yep. And out of nowhere, decided to pull the plug. I've heard reasons why that is. Spend more time with the family. Nudge, nudge. Then, of course, there was Andrews and now Anastasia Palaszczuk. Yeah. And they were all reading the tea leaves and watching these, or she is now, or the unions are, watching these cumulonimbus storm clouds. You remember Saturday afternoon just gone? Yeah. Right. They're on the horizon there's lightning and thunder and very, very frightening and all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, she's there. The unions are looking at that and thinking, mm, maybe it's time to, as she said, renewal. And I think that's sensible. Yeah. Nobody's, uh, nobody lasts forever. Some people don't know when to go. Just before John Howard was voted out, it was suggested that perhaps he ought to, uh, you know, Turn in the turn in the uh, and the baton over to Peter Costello, the, and he should have done it. Well, now uh, look, her the, the her God, and she should worship him every single day. Is Campbell Newman? Yeah, he came in in two thousand and twelve, lasted two and a bit years, I think it was, maybe whatever it was, but he got out over his skis, and so uh, he he didn't last a term. I thought a lot of the stuff that he was doing was stuff that needed to be done. It was a bit Trumpian, but it was stuff that needed to be done and probably yeah. still is. Yeah. But yeah. the people weren't weren't weren't, uh, uh, weren't um, ready for it. And of course, once you get on get the media on the wrong side, uh, and you've got a you've got a single chamber uh, house in uh, Parliament in Queensland. It doesn't have a Senate or an upper house. So you've just got that uh, that single house. But just on Newman, he won. 
it's incredible numbers, 78 cents mm. in 2012, mm. and Labor under Bly won seven. <laughs> Yeah, yeah but so you scared the horses. They couldn't I've got to take a break. Team. Yes, exactly. I've got to take a break, Jim. We've got stacks to get to. We'll come back with Jim Ball in a second on TNT Radio. TNT Radio's Steve Malsberg. 13 Israeli hostages released uh, as part of that ceasefire deal uh, 49 days after they were taken hostage. 49 days. So that still leaves about 225 to 227 more hostages. Uh, I'm with John Bolton, the former national security advisor to Donald Trump. I'm with Britt Hume of, uh, of Fox News. I'm with a bunch of other people who say this gives Hamas too much time to do whatever they want to do, to do whatever they need to do, to regroup, to rearm, to re-strategize. And as much as you want the hostages back, it can't be at the expense of the other part of the mission, which is to destroy Hamas. So I think it's a mistake. Steve Malsberg on TNT Radio. The Light is Britain's far-right conspiracy theory paper spreading hate and vicious lies. No, that's what the BBC say. The Light is the only national newspaper bringing you the real news and informed opinion on what's really going on today. You can subscribe, order copies, submit articles, and read back issues on our website, thelightpaper.co.uk, and see for yourself why the establishment are so worried about the uncensored truth getting out to people every month. The Light Paper. Not for right, just right so far. Thelightpaper.co.uk are you sitting comfortably? Oh, yes, yes. And I'll begin. Even when you're just sitting around, we're rocking the talk. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. A couple of quick comments from the chat box on TNTradio.live, which, of course, you can participate in. Uh, one comment from Chris here, don't make excuses for her. I don't think we were doing that. But anyway, Ooh. she was a tyrant and an economic imbecile. Uh, now she's been left in the hands of an even bigger imbecile, Giggles Miles. Well, Chris, I have a feeling that there's a tug of war going on between uh, the union movement, maybe even party members, about what to do with the premiership. And Stephen Miles is a little bit on the nose. Uh, yeah, there's, a, understandable. there's another on, woman from the same faction. I can't yeah. think of the name. Uh, she's putting her hand up. Yeah. Just, just before we move on, I was reading Jeff Chambers in The Australian two or three hours ago. It's one of those late-breaking stories. Not a story, but just some something to consider. Uh, he writes, Palaszczuk is the eighth member of the inaugural national cabinet to either quit or lose an election. This was over COVID. They had a, a national cabinet. Yeah. Um, and then he goes on to say, and you, you don't think these things happen slowly over time. Yeah. And so you don't. You don't stop to think, oh, okay, Dan Andrews went and this one went. But there are others like Andrews went, McGowan's gone, Palaszczuk's gone, yeah. uh, Scott Morrison's gone, Berejiklian's gone, Stephen Marshall, Peter Goodwine, I think it is, yeah. and Michael Gunner from the Northern Territory. Yeah. Uh, they were all in the inaugural National Cabinet when it was formed in 2020, three years ago, and yeah. they're all gone. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's how the that, that works. Yep, it does. Now, Australia's Home Affairs Minister, Claire O'Neill, has finally apologised for crimes allegedly committed by those released detainees, despite their fiery protestations last week. Talk about messy. Of course they should have apologised, Jim. Well, look, I've lost count. Um, last time I looked, I think it was four, four of these released right. 18 that have, that have been arrested yeah, for four. crimes since they were released. Yeah. And 
I don't know if you recall last Thursday, the front page of The Australian, it had Dreyfus and uh, O'Neill. Yeah. And the the, the 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 image was just, I think the camera got right underneath them, but it had this condescending right. finger pointing. Um, this whole, the whole image was wrong. Yeah. Um, and they were dripping with, you know, down the nose, smugness and condescension, arrogance, all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. And um, it basically gave the, to me, gave the impression, just the whole performance, not just that image, but in Parliament, this is a government in panic on yeah. so many fronts. Yeah. This is just another one. Yep. And apparently, and I wish I could remember this this morning I was looking at this, sometime, maybe it was last Friday or the weekend, there was an op-ed piece by an expert, a legal type expert, saying that the government didn't have to release anybody else except that one person. That's right. Uh, NZQ, whatever his name was. They interpreted it completely wrong. Yeah. They thought, oh, we're going to let them all out. And no, but while they could have sat there for a month or six weeks while they formulated new legislation to keep them incarcerated. So that, again, they panicked. Yeah. Well, and and uh, uh, Dreyfus said the other day, well, I'm I'm not going to apologise because I am upholding the decision of the High Court. Yeah, nice try, but no. Rubbish. With regards to that one person, yes, but the rest, sorry. Sorry. And they ought we to be apologising. Yeah, we didn't buy it. Now, former PM Paul Keating is now giving advice to Anthony Albanese. He says, Albo should reform, reform, reform. The only problem is whenever Labor tries to reform anything, it just costs cost us taxpayers a lot of money. Yeah, look, reform is code, shorthand, a euphemism, if you like, for turn the world up. Remember, Barack Obama in 2008 said uh, he was going to fundamentally transform America. Yeah. Now, that program is still going on and it is a dog's breakfast. So whenever they use phrases like transform or reform, uh, yeah, there are areas of society and our economy that need all of that. But um, now and again, you've got to think, okay, Okay, what, what exactly have you got in mind? But Keating, uh, he's there in his leafy bolt hole in Bulara or Elizabeth Bay, wherever he lives these yes. days. And look, you got to you got to be honest. He um, he had a bit of style about him. He was a, a bit of a, a rough head uh, in a way, and he had he had a bit of a bit of culture, the Zegna suits and the Marla and all the rest of it. Um, and he had a way with words, and he could put down lines and good stuff like that. He was a yeah. performer in Parliament. Yeah. He was colourful. Al- Al- colourful, that's right, like colourful racing identities. Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, Albo's got none of that. He, uh, he simply doesn't have... Mr. Bland. Very, very bland. He's so anodyne and vanilla and uh, beige and whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Uh, but so there you've got... See, Howard, on the other hand, you've got to connect. You've got to have the ability to connect with... The people Howard had that Howard's battlers Howard's Howard's tradies had the ability to, and he was a liberal. I mean, the whole thing has turned on its head. Mm. Uh, the Labor Party is all about the the arty elite, and the libs they're more about um, a bit like Trump again, I suppose. They're more about the um, the average man and woman in the suburbs. Yep. They're suburban. Yeah, middle middle Australians. Middle Howard Americans. identified that, and um, Howard was there for ten years. Heating, giving advice, he lasted one term. Yeah, right? very true. Mm. Now, corporate giant and renewable evangelist uh, Andrew Forrest has caused a stir in Dubai at COP28. He wants the world to deal with fossil fuel bosses by putting their heads on spikes. 
I'm sure you could have come up with better, better advice. Maybe you've got better advice for Twiggy, Jim. Well, yeah, I've just got a bullet point here. I just wish this bloke would shut up. <laughs> That's my <laughs> look. He used to project and does still try to project this image of the, I don't know, the likable, uh, woolly haired, dog eared, knockabout ocker, if you like, rugged and all of that kind of stuff. But he's, I don't know, he seems to have hooked up with the, uh, and he's hooked up with the renewables and the climate cult. Big time. And this is what's driving him. Um, I'm just trying, I'm just looking here. I've written it down. Uh, here it is. This will give you an idea where he's coming from. This was a headline back in October. Fortescue Energy Moss uh, uh, says uh, Forrest is betting his net worth on mega green hydrogen plants. That's what he's about. So what's in the way? Oil, gas, coal. They're all in the way. Yeah. And the thing is, if if he was serious about the temperature rising by 1.5 degrees or whatever, and I want to come back to that in a second, that number, why, if he's so concerned about the climate and all the rest of it, the one thing he hasn't said anything about is nuclear. That's the answer. If you are serious, uh, well, if you're not talking nuclear, you're not serious. No. And so if you want heads on spikes, um, well, yeah, okay, go for it, but start talking nuclear. Yeah, base load, base load. Chris, quick question, uh, no particular prizes. How do you smelt iron ore? That's what he digs up, iron ore. How do you smelt it? You need a furnace. Yeah. And it's got a, you won't do that with renewables. You won't nah. smelt iron ore with the renewables. But that 1.5 degrees um, above pre-industrial levels, that's what we're trying to limit it to. Who came up with that number? I mean, for example, I'll give you an example. 1.5 degrees is less than the difference on any given day between Sydney's eastern suburbs That's right. and Sydney's western suburbs. But, they, example, but they're classifying that temperature as climate breakdown. How? Well, <laughs> I don't know. It, look, Sydney, uh, just for the record, today in the eastern seaboard, it's 27 degrees. In the west, it's six degrees hotter, 33 yeah. Yeah. Right, so 1.5 degrees. Hello, that's nothing. Yeah. That's nothing. And look, this all goes back to it's a long thing to go through, but it all goes back to 1850. That was when the little ice age ended. And of course, just as if you'd switched off your fridge, your little bar fridge to defrost it, you switch it off, open the door, and it melts, it warms up. And that's what happened. The, the, uh, the switch was flicked. Uh, well, nobody knows. The Little Ice Age ran for 500 years from, th whatever, 1300 to 1850. Yeah. So, you know, this this whole business about 1.5 degrees, um, it's a number that's thrown around a lot and, once again, designed to scare us, to spook yeah, us. Of course yeah. it is. I've yeah. got to take a quick break. Don't go anywhere, Jim. You're I right. want to talk to you about The Guardian in just a second. Um, we'll get back to Jim Ball. I've got to get you some news, though, right here on TNT Radio. Yeah. We have some wonderful news for you. TNT Radio News. Matt Boyland here with a quick look at your TNT headlines. Another pandemic leader has fallen in Australia. Queensland Premier Anastasia Palaszczuk throwing in the towel on Sunday. Our best days are well and truly ahead of us. After being kicked off Twitter nearly five years ago, Alex Jones has had his account reinstated. Washington's triggered outrage after being the only member of the UN Security Council to vote down calls for a ceasefire in Gaza again. And Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky's heading back to the White House. 
Why not give TNT Radio a follow? We're on all major social platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Gab, and Getter. Help us get the word out as we cover the biggest topics of our time right here on today's News Talk. TNT Radio. TNT Radio. A couple of quick comments on our chat box asking where Alan Jones is. Uh, This time last week, we spoke to Alan about the fact that he was taking a break for Christmas. That was his last episode. Um, I had plenty to say in the days following after he was subject to various news stories uh, saying that I would support him and be behind him every step of the way. Uh, Yeah, so basically it's always been designed that last week would be his last week on TNT Radio for the year. And we'll talk, you know, sometime shortly after Christmas about whether he's back in 2024 and whether he has time to put in to do further uh, segments with us. I hope he does. Um, I hope that that's exactly the case. Let's get back to Jim Ball. On the Guardian newspaper, it's launched another pitch in Australia for funding to keep the lights on. $300,000 they're pleading for. Um, I think that's a new source we could do without, but it sort of gets rather desperate when you're running around with your hand out looking for $300,000 to stay alive. Well, it's embarrassing. Yeah. You basically say, listen, uh, people aren't buying what we're selling. Can you help us out? You're asking you're asking for donations. It's like community radio or uh, some community newspaper. You're just uh, scraping by. Look, they're, they're a, a left-wing uh, newspaper, and the fact that they're, they're crowdsourcing $300,000 tells me that they're skating on the ice of a very thin and unsustainable business model. Yeah. Um, yeah. If that's what the market you want to chase, well, go for it. Good luck. Yeah. yeah. And the point is, they've got a whole lot of other papers out there now. The Saturday paper, I think it's called. Um, there's social media. There's podcasts, and people. And I'm I'm just waiting for the day when I don't know the Murdochs or Nine uh, Sydney Morning Herald says that we're no longer going to be printing paper newspapers. Yeah. I think that time's coming and probably coming sooner than we think. Yeah, I think you're right. Because people are getting their fix of media, not necessarily news, but media, from all these different uh, avenues, including this particular avenue. Just just one one more thing on that, Chris. According to the Oz this morning, it says this new fundraiser. So have they done this before? Yeah, they have. This is the third time, I think. Third time. Wow, I didn't I didn't realize. I didn't yeah. I just second like, public second time public and this is the third time. Now I want to ask ed- you about the, the editor in chief is on a million dollars a year. Is he? But, yeah, no she uh, editor in chief Catherine Viner being granted a pay rise which now sees a take home income uh, a base salary of about a million dollars. Well, she could hand over the 300,000 and still get 700,000 she'll be fine. Yeah, you'd think All so. Right. One last one. The activists in the Aussie theatrical community are ramping up their pro-Palestinian campaign as a third board member has resigned. Um, I hate to see politics and sport. It's even worse when politics mixes with theatre. It's like, you know, it's like oil and water, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, they've got just people pay buy their tickets to go and see the show. Yeah. They don't go there to see your protest. This is an ego trip. This is this is all that... All that uh, um, what do they call it? Um, can't think of the phrase on top of my head. Well, it's all but, that woke political correctness, you know. Correct. And, and this is the the smug again. The smug that I love it. It applies to these people. The smug out of elite ramping up their uh, ramping up their process. Yeah. And I'm not 
quite sure why they think they've got this mortgage on what's right and what's wrong. There was a great, do you remember the, um, there was a, back in the 1970s, there was a record called the Desert Errata. And there was a line in there that applies to these people, the dumb and the ignorant, they too have their story. Mm. And they, we are talking about the dumb and the ignorant. I think the answer to this, Chris, uh, the answer to the their protest is meet it with a protest and everybody attending should wear a Jewish yarmulke. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you reckon that'll sort it out? That'll upset them. That, that'll upset yeah, them. Yeah. I've got yeah, a... I've got to run, Jim. I've run out of time, big time. Thank Mm -hmm. you, mate. Great to catch up. Let's do it again soon. Soon. Okay. Thanks, Good on you. Jim Ball, uh, former 2UE and 2GB national radio host, and it's good to have him on the program. Very, very politically incorrect, which is exactly the way we like it. Now, I'm going to get to our talkback lines where Andrew is waiting patiently. Go ahead, Andrew. Hi. G'day, Smithy. How are you going? Very well, thank you. How are you going with your uh, companion dogs and the federal parliament? Assistance animals, companion dogs, any dog assistance. registered with assistance. Right, assistance, assistance that, dogs. That's okay. the legal jargon in the uh, National Disability Discrimination Act. Well, it was very interesting. Hopefully you've got those emails that were hanging about in my inbox, uh, outbox. Yep, yep. We had a phone call uh, on Wednesday afternoon after our second attempt to get into Parliament on Tuesday was stopped by the AFP from the head of security, James, at Parliament House, asking for a meeting. We spoke for 45 minutes. He's ex-military, so I'm hoping the man has uh, a level of commitment to the country. Mm-hmm. And he also suggested that uh, Commissioner Pip come along, who is the AFP head of the parliamentary precinct. So that's going to take place this Thursday coming. Right. And they, they're trying, because I handed them, and I sent you a copy, yeah. of a notice of intent to litigate through the Human Rights Commission. And yeah. they're not wanting that to go ahead, obviously. No, of course they're not. You, mate, you'll come out of Thursday and they'll be all over you like a rash. Well, I'm, I'm hoping so. Now, I've, I've asked for a member of staff, and I know his allegiance is to his employer, but it's a man I've known for, for five years uh, in my, all my visits because I've had my dogs in there at least 25 times to Parliament House in both the House of Reps, uh, in the gallery, and also in the Senate. My dogs have been mentioned on the Hansard twice in the Senate by uh, Rachel Seward. Yeah, and also when I gave evidence on the 7th of July to the parliamentary inquiry into why people with disabilities and the Indigenous community is not accessing redress, David Shoebridge called out uh, Senator Billick, who's the chair, and said there are two very important guests here today that need to be acknowledged. And I got to bring them out and they are on camera because it was in private so I can't release without being taken to jail uh, the testimony that I gave, even though it's my testimony. But both my dogs are on the hand side there as well and on camera okay. in, in that parliamentary inquiry. So, All right. Are you going to talk well, to us on Friday? I will. I promise you I will, my Good. friend. Great. Thank you for taking my call and your interest. And we've got no a fight problem. This country, brother. We've got a fight. Good stuff. Thank you, mate. Appreciate it. Good luck on Thursday. We'll catch up with Andrew again on Friday to get an update on this little saga. Now, I've got Kevin Donnelly on the line. He is a senior fellow at the Australian Catholic University's PM Glynn Institute. Kevin, welcome to TNT Radio. 
Always a pleasure, Chris. Thank you very much. Great to hear from you. Now, um, I cited some comments you made today, which is why I got in contact with you, in reference to how some teachers addressed the Middle Eastern war in front of students before they broke for the holidays, for Christmas. Uh, Many push students to understand exactly why the Palestinians have been so badly wronged, uh, which is fine. That's, That's certainly part of the truth. But it's not the full story. Who's teaching the teachers, Kevin? Well, that's a very good question. And unfortunately, uh, a lot of teachers, not all of them, but a lot of teachers are really what we call politically correct or woke. So they've got this belief that their role as teachers, instead of being objective or impartial and giving students a balanced view about controversial issues, Their role, as they see it, is to push a particular, what I call left-wing or cultural left view. So when you look at students who have been striking over the uh, Gaza war, it's only ever one-sided. They're never told anything about the Jewish people, uh, what is now Israel being their ancestral home. They have no idea what the river is when they're, chanting from the river to the sea. They've got no idea where the Jordan River is. So it's really uh, students being indoctrinated and uh, it's totally unacceptable. It's, it's just like the whole climate change thing, Kevin. Like, tell the kids about what difference Australia can make if we take CO2 emissions out of contention. If we re- removed all CO2 emissions in this country, we would make an infinitesimal difference to the temperature of the planet. And yet we, you know, bow down to the governments that t- take this to the nth degree and spend trillions on our behalf to save the planet. That is not right. And we should be telling kids both sides of the story as we should be telling kids both sides of this Middle Eastern conflict. Again, you're dead right. And uh, I mean, how many students know that I think Australia contributes about 1.2, uh, 1.3% of global warming? Now, firstly, there is some argument that it's not man-made, that global warming won't be stopped if we cut back our carbon emissions. And the other point here is, as we know, in India and China, they're building coal coal powered stations every second week and uh, I mean it makes no sense whatsoever when you look at the pain and suffering the financial pain and suffering that's being caused in Australia plus the this hundreds and hundreds of acres we're destroying in in the bush by putting up these uh, you know cutting down the vegetation putting up these solar panels it's uh, it has no impact at all and it's just a waste of money. Yeah, which is why we've had an increase in CO2 over the past three years, and yet we've spent billions of dollars trying to put renewables into the ground and on top of roofs to try and reduce CO2. It's not working. Now, I want to move on. More than two-thirds of Victorian voters say they support a push by the state's public servants for more flexible work arrangements and the right to work from home what is wrong with your socialist republic down there, Kevin? The Resolve Political <laughs> Monitor con- conducted for the age also found 54% of voters backed a 20% pay increase. Who's getting 20% for the state's public sector workforce over four years? 
What has been achieved in productivity is what we should be asking if they deserve any entitlements as a result. Yeah, it's a bit of an embarrassment. Uh, many years ago when Joan Kerner was Premier, you know, we were called the kind of Albania of the South uh, by my friends in Sydney. And uh, there must be something in the water or in the air uh, yeah. living in Melbourne, in Victoria, where every woke cause, every progressive cause, people support. Uh, as you know, we were among the most locked down people during COVID, and we world. had uh, Chairman Dan or Daniel Andrews as our Premier, who uh, denied people their freedom, locked them up. Teachers, nurses lost their job because they didn't want to be jabbed. And uh, it really is quite uh, unsettling how bad it's got. I just hope uh, if the Liberal Party, the opposition party, the Liberals, if they get their act together, and stop fighting amongst one another, uh, they could win the next election. But uh, that's something we just have to wait and see how it goes. Yeah, don't hold your breath. The union is also seeking a formal pilot for a four-day work week on full pay. That proposal was backed by 47% of respondents compared to 31% who opposed the idea. I don't get any of that. That's fine. <laughs> if you want to work four days, that's fine, but be paid for the four days, not for five days when you're only working four. Well, make it pro rata. Uh, you're correct. Yeah. Uh, part of the problem here is, Chris, as you know, and I mean, I, I was very proud. I was happy to be a teacher uh, in, in the government schools for many years. And there are a lot of good people in the public service. Mm. But unfortunately, uh, I only realised this when I, when I helped manage a, a, a seafood shop that the family owned, where I had to employ people and uh, look at the budget, the weekly budget. And I suddenly realised that if you're in private business, you make a mistake, you lose money. If you don't work, you don't get paid. And uh, so, you know, I, along with others, we were working seven days a week, uh, you know, from four in the morning at the market, the wholesale market, to probably 10 at night. A lot of public servants have no idea about the value of money. And if you put them in a real job, unfortunately, I don't think they'd be able to cope. No, they wouldn't be able to cope at all. Can I take a break, Kevin? I'll come back with you. I want to talk about Stephen Smith, who's the Australian Commissioner to the UK, making major decisions about canning Australia Day festivities. I don't know how he thinks he's got a mandate to do that. But we'll come back with Kevin Donnelly from the Australian Catholic University very, very shortly on TNT Radio. De-weaponizing weather with reality and perspective. It's fascinating listening to people talk about the whole climate situation last night in the debates over here in the United States. Virg Ramaswamy, I hope I have his name pronounced right. After all, if you look at my last name, you don't want to pronounce wrong, right? But in any case, he echoed what I wrote in my book about this whole climate change situation and the fact that COVID was a warm-up for eventual climate lockdowns. And I was listening to Alex Epstein yesterday, who I think is just spot on right, and he was saying the same kind of things that I've been saying over the years. You see, we all understand that even if this is a problem, 
It can't be that bad a problem since we have 128 the climate deaths that we did in 1930 with four times the amount of people. In any case, Al Gore, who I've talked about before, could be one of the biggest sanctimonious hypocrites, along with John Kerry, that you're ever going to encounter. He says that the agreement to phase out fossil fuels would be one of the most significant events in the history of humanity. And it would be, because it would lead to mass death among a lot of people. It would lead to, at the very least, the fact that you will not have the freedom to do what you're supposed to do. And of course, we have John Kerry, how rich is this? A guy that got a D in geology in college says, we've got to do what the science tells us to do. Well, science doesn't say anything because it's an eternal search for the truth that is constantly being challenged and upgraded. But these two, I don't know what I should call them, Capatost in Italian, they are very dangerous people. This is TNT climate and weather watchdog meteorologist Joe Bastardi asking you to enjoy the weather. It's the only weather you've got. Last week, Brandon met a girl on a dating app. One day after work, he finally found the courage to ask her out. No answer. He started to panic. Was he being too pushy? Maybe it was too... Hey, sorry I didn't respond. I was driving. I would love to go on a date. How does tonight sound? Brandon tried to play it cool, but inside he knew. A girl so smart, so responsible. She must be a keeper. This is The Chris Smith Show on today's News Talk TNT Radio. I've got Kevin Donnelly with me at the moment. Kevin, Anthony Albanese's hand-picked High Commissioner to the UK, Stephen Smith, has closed the doors of Australia House to an annual Australia Day fundraiser, citing sensitivities around celebrating the National Day. It's part of a wider purge of what Smith believes are parties without purpose that he's told visiting Labor MPs he has killed off since taking up residence at his luxurious manor, Stoke Lodge, next to Hyde Park. He has no right to make these decisions. Where is the official order for him coming from the Cabinet on this? Kevin? Well, it's appalling. And uh, as you know, Chris, what happened all those years ago uh, with the First Fleet after Botany Bay they realised that wasn't suitable. So they moved to what is now Sydney Cove. And uh, a week after they arrived in Botany Bay, the French arrived. So we're, we're very lucky that, that Philip got here first and mm. we inherited from England our language, our Westminster parliamentary system, our common law system, and also the Bible, Christianity. Uh, and that underpins much of our way of life and our political, our legal system. So yeah. we should be celebrating on the day that uh, in Sydney Cove, they, they raised the flag and, and toasted uh, the health of the king because that is our beginning. And when I say our beginning, I mean modern Australia. And mm. uh, this is a country, as you know, where millions of refugees and immigrants have come to live and we're a relatively peaceful, prosperous country and you only have to look north to China uh, or even further to Russia to realise how lucky we are. Uh, in many ways, we're God's own country. We should celebrate that. It's above politics. And for uh, the Labor appointee uh, in London, for Smith to uh, 
really denigrate that, I think, is appalling. It is appalling. It is really appalling. And he should be brought back from London and told to get back to his WA hole. Like, it's just embarrassing. Uh, meanwhile, just on this subject, The Age is carrying a story today about those who supported a no vote in the voice referendum um, standing up uh, for Australia Day from the beginning of next year, leading into January 26. I guess as a nation, we've got to support Australia Day. What, what about... What about you, though, Kevin? Would you ever consider supporting a day that was different to that? Like, say it was on January the 1st, which, of course, is when Federation began. Would that be appropriate to you, ever? I don't think it would, Chris. And uh, as you know, I reviewed the national curriculum some years ago. And what struck me most is that there are hundreds and hundreds of references to Aboriginal culture, history, spirituality so just about in every subject from prep to year 10 kids uh, are given a you know a, hundreds of references to aboriginal to indigenous history we don't celebrate our own history properly and mm. uh, we are a western nation uh, Christianity is a major religion still a, a lot of our uh, ancestors have come from the United Kingdom from Europe from Ireland so why don't we acknowledge that? Why are we so? Uh, why do we feel so guilty about yeah. being patriotic and celebrating the origin of Australia? And that has to be when Philip raised the flag in Sydney Cove, uh, toasted the health of the king. That's the beginning of our story, and we should be proud of it. Kevin, great to have you on the program again. Uh, sorry about the late notice, but as soon as I saw your comments this morning, I thought it was well worth getting you on the program. Thanks for your time. Always my pleasure, Chris. Good on you. Kevin Donnelly, Senior Fellow at the Australian Catholic University's PM Glynn Institute. Always great to have him on. Um, I didn't want to embarrass Kevin, but a lot of chat on Kevin and his appearance on the program today. One here from Alex saying, the great Dr. Kevin Donnelly, another Australian national treasure. Thank you, Chris, for featuring Dr. Kevin, and thank you, Dr. Donnelly, for being on the show. Um, another one here saying, Kevin makes a lot of sense. This is from Mike, I think. Uh, Kevin makes a lot of sense. More people need to examine the curriculum when it's put out to the community for consultation. Um, yeah, that's interesting as well. And Mike says, uh, the University of New South Wales and other organisations are giving their staff the option to work on Australia Day or not. Disgusting, says Mike. UNSW also put lots of money into the yes vote. Their official position was yes. And yet they want to disown Australia Day because for some reason we shouldn't have modernised. What, we should have left it to the Portuguese or maybe the French to take over Australia? Was that the right way to go? Or do we just leave the Indigenous people here to keep doing what they were doing at that time and not modernise Australia? Is that what we want? There's no answer to this. You can complain all you want, but we should be thankful we have a very modern first world country in the space of, what is it, 200 odd years. In very, very quick succession, we became a first world country. And we should be very proud of the fact that we have got that far and that a lot of Indigenous people have got to, within Parliament, they've got to the top of uh, the court system, the legal system. Um, they are 
They live longer than they've ever lived, certainly longer than they would have lived if we did leave this country in Indigenous hands. Uh, and yeah, there were terrible things done through the course of that process, but that was the time in which those atrocities occurred uh, in a small way in individual sectors of our country. Um, not everything is perfect. Not everything is perfect or successful. And certainly that transition was not perfect. But I think when all is balanced up, I think we should be very, very glad that the English did uh, land here and together with the black population create an Australia we should be very proud of, not afraid to celebrate. Um, Mike says, very, very proud. Well said, Chris. Good on you, Mike. Appreciate that. I wanted to tell you about Nigel Farage. Do I have time? I do. Now, all along, I've got to say na 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 because I've always said that Nigel Farage would be very successful on this program and that the program, I'm a Celebrity Get Me Out of Here in the UK, which was shot in Australia, will be very successful because Nigel Farage was on it. Well, I was, I was right on both counts. He went all the way to the final last night in the UK and starred. As a matter of fact, he came third in the final, which is not bad for someone who was extremely older than most of the other contestants and was tipped to not last the first week. Well, he got right to the final. He was in with a shot and he came third, which is outstanding. And, you know, they're talking about the fact that he did this to try and smooth his image after, you know, the aggression of Brexit and uh, try and get on with a younger demographic. Well, that's exactly the demographic he wanted to get on with. And I think it proves the fact that he got to the final on Sunday night proves that he did ingratiate himself with that younger demographic. And I say all kudos to him, Nigel Farage, for lasting that long, uh, being very, very uh, self-effacing. He was extremely self-deprecating. If you saw any of the clips from the show, which I have all the way through, very, very self-deprecating, which is the, the Nigel Farage that I know, having personally met him, uh, very, very self-deprecating. It was a success for him, for his image, and now he's got to decide whether he stays with the UKIP or whether he decides to form um, a reunion with the party he was once connected with, which was, of course, the Tories. And if he does that, does he become the leader of that party? And he does he become the prime minister at some stage? Do not count that out. Do not count that out. He has a strategy, Nigel Farage, and he has no time to get it done. Watch that space. Well done to Nigel Farage. And the show, by the way, rated through the roof. So forget about all the naysayers. Nigel Farage contributed to that rating success and well done to him. I've got to get out of here. I will leave you in the uh, capable hands of Dean Mackin, followed by Katie Hopkins. You enjoy your morning, noon or night. I'll come back at the, uh, the same time tomorrow and uh, get stuck into some of the issues that uh, develop then. We're, uh, we've got a big week ahead. There's a stack coming up. And uh, you'll see as we get together over the next few days, some of those big stories occurring, including the end of COP28. Won't that be fascinating? Um, we'll see how that turns out. This is Chris Smith on TNT Radio. Radio.